He, uh, he just got, we just got back from Cuba. And while, while we was over there, Cuba's a very different place. Uh, I was just thinking, we didn't see any Christmas lights or Christmas trees. But it dawned on me while I was sitting here thinking about that, they only have electricity half the time. So that's probably not even a deal for them. So, but a pastor went to a church and y'all, they were rocking this little house. I mean, it wasn't big enough for 50 people and there was a hundred and something of us there. They were rocking this, this house. I mean, they were having church, dancing all over the place. And man, it just started pouring raining outside. That didn't bother them. They just brushed down the aisles and everything. It was wild. The church only had half walls on two sides and we just crawled up over the walls and sat on the walls. And then pastor got up there. And if you think he was excited right here, you should have seen him there. He brought the house down. Y'all would have been just so proud of him. I was. It was awesome. Yeah. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> when you come back home, you're thankful for the little things. Bathtubs. <laughs> Restrooms. <laughs> just the little things matter a whole lot. Cars. You know, I didn't ride in the car the whole time I was gone. We rode in these motorcycles with a little basket on the back. Three of us in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> One on the front. Would you believe they let Pastor Josh drive over there with no license? A motorcycle? I mean, he's an experienced motorcycle driver here. But, you know, it's crazy. Um, I asked him last night, and I want to ask you today too. The pastor of the main church, and his, he has, he's over a number of churches over there, is wanting to come here in March. And it's almost impossible for anyone who lives there to leave there. Uh, in spite of the fact, what do they make, $20 a week? I mean, a month or $40? Was it $20 a month? I told someone $40, but it was $20 a month. And we looked at tools, and, 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 and the stores don't have hardly anything, but what they do have is so expensive, like a drill over $200. If you make $20 a month, you do the math. So he wants to come over here, and pastor and the teams have been taking him tools and supplies, and that's one of the things we did this time. But let's pray that he'll get, him and his wife will get to come over and be with us, because that would be just a dream of a lifetime, and pastor's trying to help them make that. In fact, let's pray for him right now. Father, we thank you for the churches that we visited in Cuba. We thank you for pastor. We just ask you to just open up the doors for him to be able to come here and enlarge his vision to just give him a growing experience of uh, what could be. I just thank you. I, I, I just pray for everybody whose life was touched there. And I thank you for allowing us to be there. And we thank you in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. John chapter one in your Bibles. I am so glad to be here this morning and to get to, I'm just honored to get to share with you today on the wonder of the Christmas story. Emmanuel, what a great name. God with us. It don't get any better than that, y'all. That's as good as it get. Imagine with me, John chapter one in your Bible. Imagine with me this morning that we didn't yet know by what means that God would use to save the world, to send salvation to the world. How would he save mankind? We're just thinking about this. Maybe we're in the, we're in the room with God in the very beginning and, and he knows that man is going to fall into sin. So we're, we're just contemplating all these different plans. Could we do it like this? Or may it, should it go like that? Or let's pretend for a moment that we didn't have all the amazing prophecies of the Old Testament and the fulfillment of all of those in the New Testament about how God would save the world. We didn't have all that. And our job would be pretend 
to predict by what means or method that God might use to save us from our sins. He knew that through Adam and Eve, man would fall into sin and be, before it ever happened, come on somebody, I said before it ever happened, God had already made a plan to save us because that's how much he loves us. And so, so imagine with me, now we've summoned the greatest minds of our time and we asked them, give us the 10 best predictions of how God would save man from their sins. Now I can only imagine that none of them would include that God himself would come down from heaven and become one of us in order to save us. What an amazing thought that God himself would come down from heaven. That's the highest form of love right there. Wouldn't you agree with me? I'm sure that none of them would have included that God who is sinless and perfect in every way would take the sins of the entire world upon himself on the cross in order to make us righteous through his act of, of love and mercy and grace. I am certain that we would never come up with such an amazing plan like that. I love how Philippians 2 and verse 8, look at it with me up here, and being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That was God's plan. I want to tell you something. Look up here for just a minute. The cross was not a mistake or an accident. It was the revealing of God's amazing plan to bring salvation to mankind. It was the fulfillment of all that was planned from the beginning. And I appreciate Jesus so much for doing that for us. The Christmas story is the story of how a supernatural God stepped into our natural world to save us from our sins. Wow, that is amazing. And that's what makes the story so filled with wonder and amazement. How many of you love Christmas? Let me see your hands. Okay, I'm not going to ask you how many don't love Christmas because I'm just not going to ask you that because you have your reasons. But it's just the amazing part of it. It's just a, a time of wonder. I always believe, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't have any theological, uh, uh, I, there, no, I don't have any of that. But I always feel like anything can happen at Christmas. I always feel like Maybe the most potential for the greatest miracles could happen at Christmas. I don't know why I feel that way, but I just do. But, but, but you have God just stepping into mankind's story, and, and, and it's just truly wonder and amazement. Because on the one hand, think about it like this. On the one hand, you have all of the natural challenges of normal life. How many of you faced some challenges last week? <laughs> okay. Man, this side here, you don't want to sit over there. There's a lot more of them having problems. <laughs> Than over here. I'm just saying, you may want to think about that next week. <laughs> Mary's nine months pregnant. How I many? That's a challenge all by itself, right there. Come on, ladies. Yeah, I remember when my wife was nine months pregnant several times. Yeah, and that's all I'm going to say about that. And we're going to just keep on moving. But we have their own challenges, and then they take this very difficult journey to Bethlehem. It's real rocky. My wife and I have been to Israel, and we, we look at the, the pattern of how they would have to travel. And then how many of you know if you're nine months traveling, you're nine months pregnant, and you're traveling on a rocky road, and your transportation is a donkey? <laughs> Come on, somebody. No wonder she had the baby that night. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just like that's one of those deals. They get, to, they get to Bethlehem, and they're exhausted from the long journey. And guess what? There's no room in the inn. People have come to Bethlehem from all over. 
There's no room for them. They look, I'm sure they look at multiple rooms. One of my favorite Christmas stories I've ever heard of before was a children's play. And in the children's play, they told the innkeeper, you gotta be rough with them. You gotta tell them there's no room in the inn. And Joseph, you gotta plead. My wife is pregnant. We've traveled this long journey. And so the Christmas play starts and and the innkeeper says, there's no room in the inn. And Joseph gets into his part and says, but my wife is nine months pregnant. You know, she had the pill and everything there. And so, so, and he says, we're so tired and everything. And finally the innkeeper says, okay, come on in. (laughs) Isn't that great? Kids know how to do it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Anyway, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're exhausted. There's no room in the end. And then someone offers them a place in a stable out of kindness to rest for the night with stinky animals. And then they have a baby that night. And the Bible says they didn't have any clothes, so they wrapped him in. The Bible calls it swaddling clothes. I mean, remember that in Christmas story? That means rags. They took what they had and they wrapped, come on somebody, they wrapped Jesus in rags at his birth in the full design and plan of God because that's how he chose it. You know what that speaks to me? That speaks to me that if I grew up in rags, he loves me too. If I don't have a place to lay my head, he loves me too. If I don't have a dollar in my pocket or a room to sleep in, he loves me too. Amen. They had a baby, and then that's not bad enough. Angels appear to some shepherds, and they want to come see the baby that night. And they do. I can hear Tana, really? (laughs) We have a guest tonight. Are you kidding me? You know, it's amazing. It's the, it's, how many of you know none of that's supernatural? All that's, that's just everyday life stuff, right? Nothing supernatural about any of that. But on the other hand, at the same time, you had all, all of these supernatural circumstances from God going on at the same time at the birth of Jesus. Mary's pregnant, but she's a virgin. How many of you last week heard that message from pastor? How many of you know that's not natural? That's happened one time, everybody, just one. I don't care what anybody said. Like he said last week, that's not natural. And then you have angels who visited Mary on one occasion, Joseph on another occasion. He visited the shepherds on another occasion. That's not natural. The shepherds, uh, the angels serenaded them, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Here's where the child is born. And they said, let's go and see this amazing thing. A shining star shone over where Jesus was born. And then it says kings came and brought gifts suitable for kings, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All of these things are supernatural. And I just love the way God woves together, has woven together the natural things in life with his supernatural ability in our life. If you're facing a situation and circumstance in your life and you go, there's no way we could face this without the help of heaven. I got some good news for you this morning. Our supernatural God can step in in any moment into any natural circumstances and make our lives a whole lot better. How many of you seen God help you with your finances before? I'm up here today. I want you to know I wouldn't even be here preaching this morning if God hadn't supernaturally touched my body a few months ago and caused the healing process to begin. We've got a supernatural God who can step into the natural world and do anything. 
Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good shout. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Both Matthew and Luke tell the Christmas story so beautifully. It's filled with such great wonder. But I just love the way the story is told by John. And it blows my mind every time I read it. John doesn't just take us back to the birth of Christ, y'all. He goes way, way back in time. John takes us all the way all the way back before the creation of man, before God ever created man on the sixth day, all the way back before the creation of this world, before he ever created the world or the universe, all the way back before the angels were created. John takes us all the way back to the original beginning, and he frames it with these beautiful words in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Look at verse three. How powerful are these words? All things. Somebody say all things. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning was the word, as pastor was talking about a minute ago. The word also is one of the many names that describes the attributes of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. So let me insert his name just one time and listen to it like this as I read it. In the beginning was Jesus. (laughs) In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Try chewing on that for a little while because that's a mouthful when you think about it. Before anything else existed, there was God. And without God, nothing would exist. And he holds it all together by his power. I love how Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says it. Look up here with me if you would. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, that are visible what we can see, that are invisible what we can't see, whether it be thrones, dominion, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him and be he is before all things and by him all things consist (laughs) all you can say to that is man he didn't leave anything out there did he I mean he just completely laid it out the way it is I just love it it just means that listen here's what the deal is it's Jesus Jesus Jesus, 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 Emmanuel, God has come to visit us so that we can have life. Give the Lord a good clap offering, everybody. Hallelujah for Jesus. Then the highest part of this chapter, in my opinion, is verse 14. And it says this, and the word was made flesh. God became one of us. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. I want you to think about that for a minute. We behold, we beheld Jesus. The word was made flesh. God took on flesh and lived here among us and we got to see his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And I love these last few words because they depict who he is, full of grace and truth. Somebody say full. Full. Not just grace and truth, but full of grace and truth. How beautiful, how wonderful. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. What a powerful, powerful thought. 
All we can say to that is amen. Have you ever asked yourself, how come God loves us so much that he would come down from heaven and become one of us? I do all the time to come down from his home in heaven and live among us, knowing that he would die of our hands. How could this be? How can God love? Here's another thought. How can God love everybody? The truth is, everybody, God loves everybody. We've just been in Cuba. We're amazed at how how the love of God is all over the place. We've been to Africa. God loves all those people in Thailand. We've been there. We've been in so many places in the world. And what we discover is there's a great church there. There are people who love God. God loves them. God loves everybody. And I'm going to go a little deeper with that. God loves those who hate him. God loves those who curse him. God loves those who deny him. God loves those who don't believe in him. How can he do do this. This is so unhuman. God's supernatural. And he can do it. I'm glad he does, aren't you? First of all, we need to know a couple of things. Number one is this. First point is this, is that the very nature of God is love. First John 4 and 8 says this. I like to say it like this. God doesn't just love well. He is love. How can he not be who he is? So many people, they hear the lying voice of the devil all the time say, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. God won't forgive you. God won't help you. God won't. God won't. He will. He hate. No, you cannot be something that you cannot be something other than what you are. God is love. And that's who he is. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? God is love. Hallelujah. He doesn't just love greatly. He is love. Let me say it another way, and then I'll move on. Love begins and ends in God. And the only love that I have in my heart is the love of God that he shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Without God, I wouldn't know what love is. Can't you see it? Isn't it beautiful? Number two, second point. Allow me to demonstrate this by asking this. Does anybody in here deserve his love? Do I deserve the love of God? We could never deserve his love, but that's a human way of thinking anyway. Have you ever tried to, you ever tried to tell yourself God loves me because I do this and this and this and this, and God doesn't love me because I don't do this and this and this and this and this. How many of you, be honest with you, how many of you felt that way before? I, I have a thousand times. You know, God, <laughs> I hadn't been good this week, so you must not love me. You know, that's a human way of thinking. God's not like that. The Bible says that in Romans 5 and 8, it says that while I was still a sinner, God loved me. And he, listen to this, he died for me while I was still in my sins. What kind of love is that? God has, his love is unconditional for us. The greatest gift of Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, not because we deserved it or we, or we earned it or we did something good. No, he did it because he loved us, period. And that's it. Hallelujah. Listen to 1 John 3 and 1. Behold what manner of love. I I love how that starts. Behold. You know what that means? Check this out. Check this out. You're not going to believe this. Behold what manner of love. You think about that for a moment. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. 
Now, if you have a rotten, terrible, horrible past, I'm going to tell you something. God is speaking that to us. Man, check this out. God can love you in spite of the fact that you once denied him, in spite of the fact that you once cursed him, or whatever that might look like. And if you think you're all that, I'm going to tell you, God loves you too. (laughs) You're not, and it'll come to you one day, but that's okay. God still loves everybody. All right. Amen. Number three, it's also important to realize God loves everyone everywhere. And God wants everyone to be saved. Jew, Gentile, all nations, all people. That's why we have such a great missions emphasis around the world, because God loves everyone everywhere. Unfortunately, though, the only one who will experience his love. Now, don't miss this because this is so important. The only one who will experience his love is those who will love him back. You see that? God loves you so much, but if you reject his love, if you refuse his love, if you turn away from his love, then you'll never experience the love of God that he has for you, that he's given to the world. You know, I could love Tina until the end of time, and I'm fully planning on doing that. I told him last night, Tina and I have talked about this many times, When we get to heaven, we're going to ask God, can we live next door to each other if we can't live with each other? You know what I'm talking about? Because I love her. I love her. The closest thing I understand about love is Tina. God has put that love in our hearts. I would never, I would never, listen, I love her like that, but has she rejected my love? Has she refused my love? If she turned away from my love, I would never be able to fully show her just how much I love her. The Bible says that Jesus came into his own, the Jews, and his own received him not. Can you can you imagine that? God stepped into mere mortal flesh, became one of us to show us how much he loved his people first, the Jew and then the Gentile. And they didn't receive him at all. He loved them, but they refused to love him back. But listen to what he said. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That was the full plan of God to begin with, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. How many read it in the Bible? To the Jew first and then to the Greek. To the Jew first and then the Gentile. God's plan was to fully show his love to the entire world from the beginning. But here's the deal. God loves you, no questions about that. Will you love him back? Will you receive his love? So first of all, we see that God doesn't just love us. He is love. And then second, we understand that we don't deserve his love. We can't earn his love, but he loves us anyway. Third, we see that God loves everyone everywhere. And then fourth, the best news of Christmas is this. God wants to love us forever, y'all. How cool is that? Amen. You ever tell your spouse or someone, your children or someone you love dearly, I'm going to love you till the end of time. That's what I'm talking about. God's going to love us. Listen, there is no end of time with God. Is anybody glad? He's going to love you. I don't even know how to say it. He's going to love you till the end. There is no end of time. (laughs) Okay. Infinity. My granddaughter, one of them that lives with us, Kaya, I'll tell her I love you. We have this competition, how much we love each other. Anybody ever do that crazy stuff? Yeah, so I say, I love you to the moon and back three times and then infinity. 
And then she ups me. Come on, somebody. And I don't even know what else to say. I just said everything. I, that, I, I gave it my best shot. And she wants ups me. That's the way it goes. Sometimes around there. So God plans on loving us until the end of time. God loves us so much that he, listen to this. He made us his bride. He loves us so much that he's gone to prepare a place for us. He loves us so much that he's coming back to get us. Is anybody glad for that? He's going to come back and take us to be with him forever. You know, this is true. This is revealed. Listen, this truth is revealed in almost every single Bible story, love story that you'll read in the Bible. You say, what are you talking about? I'm just talking about next time you read through the Bible and you come to one of those great love stories in the Bible, you know what you're going to find out? You're going to find out that your name is written in that story and you might not even see it. You're not going to see it in ink, but you will see it after today, I promise you, because I'm going to show you, you know, the story of Isaac and Rebecca, Eleazar, Abraham's servant was sent to go on this long trip and, and find a bride. And you can you imagine if I said, Kevin, I want you to go find a bride for Kai this is the town that I want you to go in. It's a long ways off. And then, then I want you to bring him back and they're going to be married. And then Kevin would say the same thing Eleazar said. Huh? What? Yes, I want you to go find a bride for my son and bring her back. Well, Eleazar is like, supposing she won't come. That's a great, yeah. He said, here, take all this gold. That ought to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I didn't mean any of that just then. But anyway, so he takes, yeah, all right, forget that. Let's move on. All right. He comes to this well. He comes to this well. All right. He comes to this well, not the kind in the ocean, the, the dug kind, right? And he, he tells his camels, I don't know how many camels he has, but it's a lot. He has his supplies, the gold and all the rest. He, he makes them to kneel down and he prays. And here's what he prays. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, please direct your servant. Man, my master's giving me a crazy thing to do. Would you allow the one that's right to come to the well and I'll ask her for a drink. And I, when I'm done asking her for a drink, let her say, I'll not only give you a drink, but your camels also. Let that be the one. <laughs> I love it. So Rebecca comes to the well and he says to her, please give me a drink. And she looks at him and she says, I'll not only give you a drink, but your camels also. Now, I don't know how many camels there are, but I do know that when they're thirsty, they can hold up to about 15 gallons of water. So I'm picturing Eleazar, he's standing here. And by the way, there wasn't a well like you turn the water on. It wasn't a well where you roll the bucket down and you roll the bucket back up. Y'all ever seen them old wells that they had staircases and they went in a circle and you would go down the staircase, down, 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 dip into the water and then you would come up, 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 up. Here, sir, have a drink. Then... You have to go down, 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 uh, up, 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 up. Here's the first camel. That's not enough. She, she doesn't have a five-gallon bucket. Down, 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 down. Up, 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 up. Here's this first camel again. He's not full yet. Down, down, down. You get the picture? And Eleazar is going. She's the one. There's no doubt about it. She is the one. 
Wow, that's incredible. So you know what he says? Listen, don't lose this. I'm not so much concerned with them right now. I'm concerned with you and me. But you know what he says? Here's what he said. Listen to these words. They're so amazing. I have a master whose name is Abraham. And he's a great man. And he's rich. And he's a good man. And he has a son. And his son is looking for a bride. And you have been chosen. Will you accept? What a story. And listen, that's our story too. The truth is the Father in heaven is great. He owns everything in the world and he's made it all. And he's a good father and he has a son and his son is looking for a bride. And the question is today, will you be his bride? That's what he wants to know. Will you accept that calling? Will you come and be his bride? Come on, give the Lord a good hand. That's what he's asking us today. Your name is in that story. Amazing. It's found in every great love story. How about the one in Ruth? What a story. A foreigner, an outsider, a sinner has come into the land of a rich man to pick scraps from his field. Amen. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you felt like you've been there before in your life? And this rich man is kind and he's a good man and he needs a bride. And this good man is willing to love her, even though she's a Gentile, even though she's a sinner, even though she has a lot of baggage. She's been married before, even though she's been married a long time and never had children. And that was really important in those days. Even though she has a lot of baggage, he's willing to love her. And you know what? He chooses her to love her and she loves him back. And this is our story too. I want you to know God doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care how much you've had in your past or how much sin or how much you've messed your life up. He doesn't care what your nationality is or how much wealth you have or you don't have. He's willing to love you unconditionally because that's what kind of God he is. And he's a good God. And he wants you to be united with his son forever. You, uh, you may not see your name written down next time you read Ruth, but I'm going to tell you something. Your name's in there. God wants you to be the bride to his amazing son. And then it's found also, thank you so much. That's what a good wife does, isn't it? Her husband says something rude and ugly, and she takes care of him anyway. <laughs> the Bible's so wonderful. It makes me cry. <laughs> you ever read the Bible and cry? You know, since the Lord, since the Lord has healed me, I've been back to the doctor twice. And uh, the first time I went back, I was falling all apart again. And he was very negative. I mean, not him, as it's about, about what was happening. And uh, <clears throat> we were very hurt and put down. But someone in the church told me, said, even though your staples are not holding the anchor's going to hold. And lo and behold, I received that word and God touched me and healed me. I was just finding him. Yeah. Amen. I appreciate that. So <clears throat> hallelujah. You know, the pastor was talking about different names. One of them is the healer. Come on, somebody. One of them is the healer. This, this love appears in one of the most bizarre love stories of the Bible that you'll ever read. It's the story of Jose and Gomer. For time's sake, let me just touch on the high points of this story. 
God tells Hosea, I want you to go marry Gomer, a prostitute. And I want you to love her. And I want you to have children with her. So out of obedience, somebody say out of obedience. How many of you know he didn't want to? Have you, has God ever asked you to do something you didn't want to do? And you said, Lord, <laughs> I love you. And I'm just why I'm going to do this. But that's the only reason why. Because I don't want to. Out of obedience, he goes and he marries her. And they have children together. And then she leaves him. She, she turns away from his love and returns back to the work of her profession, prostitution. So God sends Hosea and says, now I want you to go buy her back. And I want you to bring her back into your home. And I want you to love her. And of course, the question in Hosea's mind is the same question that's in yours and mine right now. Why? God, why would you want me to love anybody who's not faithful to me? And fortunately for us, in this particular circumstance, God gives Hosea the answer to the why. And here's what he says. If you've ever read this, it's the most incredible stuff you'll ever read. He says this. He says, here's why. I have loved my people. Don't forget, the Bible said he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. I have loved my people, yet they have been unfaithful to me but I still love them. And I bought them back. How did you buy them back, God? I sent my son, Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross for them. And I have loved them, and they didn't love me, and they weren't faithful to me, but I purchased them back because I love them. Oh, give the Lord a hand. Yeah, amen. How many of you would say that's a pretty rare kind of love? You know, the Bible says that we have become spiritual Israel. You know how? By new birth. We have been born again through the love of God. Hallelujah. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something that you need to hear this morning. I need to hear no matter what you've done, he loves you. No matter what your past is, he loves you. The Christmas story begins with the wonder of the supernatural God stepping into our natural world. I want to give you two thoughts in closing and then we're going to pray. Number one, God loves you so much, but Satan is going to tell you 10 million ways or things to try to convince you that he doesn't. Have you ever heard Satan say, man, as many mistakes as you made, there's no way God could ever love you. Or, or have you ever heard him say, man, man, you know, there's no way God can love you anymore. Or there's no way this, no way that God loves you. He's made that clear by the cross. Let me tell you something. There's not enough lies for Satan to tell, to be able to convince any of us here today that God doesn't love us because he's proven his love on the cross. Listen, there's not enough lies for Satan to be able to tell us that God doesn't love us because the God of heaven stepped down into flesh and became one of us in order to save us. So I don't care what lie he's listening, he's whispering in your ear today. It is nothing but a lie. Listen, look up here for a minute. God loves you. And there's not a thing the devil can do about it. He loves you, every one of you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Hallelujah. You hadn't made too many mistakes. You hadn't done anything. And you don't know what I've done. It don't matter. I know this. God loves you. He, and he's already shown his love. Amen. Can I just say to you, never doubt the love of God. Our job is not to figure out whether God loves us. 
is to love him back. Amen. I'm done asking Tina, do you love me? I know now. My job is just to love her back. Oh, what a good feeling. Number two. How many know preachers can't ever say anything fast? (laughs) The older we get, the slower we say it, too. Have you noticed that? Second thing I want to leave with you this morning is God wants to make his Christmas story a part of your story. Hallelujah. This is my story. You see, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the supernatural God stepped into my natural world and he changed everything about our future and our, and, and, and our eternity. The supernatural God has made the Christmas story my story. He's changed my family, my future. I read the Christmas story last week and I want to tell you, I saw my name written all in it. No, it wasn't right beside Joseph's and Mary, but I saw it. It was right there. The supernatural God has changed my life. Hallelujah. I love it. I love it. He changed my name. He's changed my future. He's changed my eternity. He's changed everything about it. I want you to stand with me in the room, if you would, please. Prayer partners, would you come on down real quickly? I want to tell you something. God's love is reaching out to people in this room right now. And would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a minute? Band, singers, would you guys come if you're not already here? Prayer partners, please come. And God is asking us a very simple question with every head bow. And can I just tell you, this is the most important part of the service So I'm just going to ask everybody to just for a minute, bow your head, please, and close your eyes. God is asking you this very simple question today. No matter what has happened on your journey, will you receive my love? That's what God is asking. Will you receive my love? Hallelujah. Don't look at where you're at or what you've done. The question is simple. Will you receive my love. Let me just say this too, with every head bowed and every eye closed, God is not speaking that to everybody right now because many people have already said, yes, Lord, I'll receive that love. And they started on that journey. And some have said, no, they didn't want the love and they rejected that love. But there are people in this room right now, you know something's happening in your heart. Something is happening in your mind. Something is moving in your life right now. It's because God is supernaturally stepping into your natural world. And he says, today is your day to receive the love of God. And here's what I want you to do. If you're in the building, right now and you know that God is dealing with your heart I want you to step out from wherever you are this morning and make your way to this altar right now and say yes God I will receive your love come on right now that's you that's right yes God I will receive that yes God I feel you drawing in my heart right now yes God I want that love in my life right now hallelujah come on that's you right now wherever you are come on come on we have prayer partners that want to pray for you and with you step right up to one of them and let them pray for for you if you want to just come to come amen God is speaking to others right now and he's saying this look I'm dealing with your heart because I love you will you receive my love today anybody else want to say yes that that's you come quickly amen we let us pray with you and for you that's right that's right amen anybody else come on will you receive it will you stop listening to the lies of the enemy and will you receive God's love today in your life father 
I just thank you for every person that's come. Look up here, congregation now. Look up here. I want you to pray one, two, three, four, five. Pray for them right now. Would you with me? Amen. There may be others that have come. Others may be coming if that's you and you want to come. Hallelujah. Amen. Pray for them. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would do in their life what you have done in our lives. Make the Christmas story a beautiful part of their life by by showing forth your love and by them receiving your love. And God, we just thank you right now. We bless them right now in the name of the Lord. And we ask you to do a powerful thing. Amen. Christmas is a miraculous time. And we ask you the miracles of God to take place. Now, if you're in this building right now and you need prayer for healing, financial situation, something going on in your family, these guys are up here and ready to pray for you. We have others. So here's what I want you to do. I believe Christmas is the most miraculous time of year. Not that God can't do anything any other time he can, and he can do it greatly. But I believe God wants to touch people. So if you have a need, would you do something? Would you step out from where you are and go ahead and make your way to the altar and let us pray and let's believe God together. I talked about how God healed me. If you need healing in the building today, let us pray for you because God can do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think. God bless you. You all.